Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello there. Welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Ed Draper here with you once again, sports broadcaster in the UK. Thank you for hitting on the button. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy the upcoming podcast with boxer Luke Watkins as well. Um, thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations, get in contact with Jason Briggs and his team because they have got that wonderful Bang Olufsen equipment, world-renowned. But also, if you have a kind of candid conversation about your vision, your budget, they can map you to whatever equipment suits you best. That's through the Serene AV arm of the company. So it's not just Bang Olufsen's fine equipment they can do. They can deck out home entertainment systems, big screens, whatever it may be. So check out Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham website, B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media and if you are looking to optimize your immunity as the winter coughs and colds notwithstanding new covid variants uh, come on the scene it is a time i suppose of the year that we're always in the northern hemisphere at least i appreciate that you know it's very warm and down the southern hemisphere i watched the copa libertadores final in uruguay on television recently when i was at work at sky sports and very balmy down there in uruguay in montevideo because of um Obviously, it's their summer in the Southern Hemisphere, but in the North, we've got coughs and colds aplenty. As a family, we've been taking food-based supplements from Cytoplan, so digested as food would be uh, into the system as close as you can get um, for 20 years now under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper, GP, general practitioner, doctor, and also micronutritionist. I take the Immune Complete 2 range from Cytoplan, has all my vitamin D3, vitamin D3 may call it, and uh, all the other the vitamins, but also trace elements like selenium and zinc, which he believes are deplete in UK soil and uh, integral to, to health. So if you would like to um, check out that at cytoplan.co.uk, you can also, of course, get your bespoke supplements, whatever it may be. You may want to supplement an iron if you may have a deficiency or indeed vitamin D3 is a solo supplement over the winter seems advisable in the UK, in particular in other places where there's short supply of sunshine, which is the catalyst for vitamin D3 in normal times. Even in the summer, we're quite clothed, aren't we, generally, if we're not on the beach. Uh, so that is uh, cytoplan.co.uk. Appreciate their support and um, the association with the podcast. If you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, at checkout, the discount code associated with the podcast is Draper10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero, and the capital letter R, Draper10R. Right on to the podcast. Um, really enjoyed this conversation with the thinking man, boxer Luke Watkins from Swindon, not far from here, where I am in Cheltenham. He's in the, the West Country in England, had a pretty meteoric rise actually through the cruiserweight ranks of domestic boxing in this country, got to Commonwealth champion, then ran up against two 
I guess, leading lights in, in his division and, and got unlucky in one of those fights against Isaac Chamberlain, really narrow points loss. I was at that fight at the Copper Box. It's nearly three, I think it is three years ago, incredibly. Where has the time gone? As I said to him, I've lost lost track of it in the misty, misty murky fog of, um, of the pandemic. But that was three years ago and he's had a couple of fights since, but has obviously been partly on hiatus like a lot of um, sports people due to the pandemic but he's coming back he's revolved and resolved on a, on a really commitment to the the uh, career not that he was ever not committed to it but he's a, a good thoughtful guy talking about how he came to the sport at 19 still only 32 years of age for a cruiserweight no age at all and uh, he's got a 15 and 2 record 10 knockouts so he's a, a really talented guy as well and really enjoyed this conversation here he is Luke the Duke Watkins. Hope you enjoy it. Luke, the Duke Watkins. You got your Duke t-shirt on as well, my, my man. How you doing? How you feeling? Yeah, these are my pajamas, man. <laughs> <laughs> are they? Yeah, no yeah. early run nah. this morning then. No, nah, no early run. I'm headed to the gym for half eleven today. Um Monday. Monday mornings I like to use as my admin day. Early in the morning, get some admin done, hit the gym then crack on with all the other things I need to do. On the uh, good man. What's your take on that generally, actually? Just um, jumping in, we'll, we'll get more about the boxing stuff, but the training aspect of it. Cause I know David Hay used to train at night because he, he thought that was when he fights, whereas there's that kind of the rocky kind of legend and lore of boxing is you, you get up at five in the morning and pound the concrete. What's your take on that? Yeah, well, if I'm being completely honest, I, I'm, it's not that I'm against it, but I'm against it for me. Um, mm. I've looked into some sleep things and, to break your, you know, humans have a natural circadian rhythm. Um, there's, you've got the late risers, you've got the early risers, and I think about 80% of the world population sit in the middle, which are yeah. like the average risers. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those average risers, so I don't need to be forcing myself out of bed too early to do these one. Also, I think Hayes' rationale was that you fight at night, typically, don't you? That's when the, the shows are. So if you're used yeah. to getting up at five in the morning and asking your body to, to then perform at 10 o'clock at night, that's difficult. Yeah, it, it would be alien. It would be alien for the body. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. No, I think that might, yeah, it's all that kind of machismo, isn't it? And I think there's some sort of, I remember speaking to Ed Robinson, the um, legendary Sky Sports reporter, but now senior producer there. He said that it was about psychology of, there's an idea that getting through that attritional mindset, if you can get up in the morning and push yourself through a, a cold morning. But I agree with you. I think sports science has maybe moved on and, and suggests that actually for our body and our, our mind, it's better to get the rest. I would like to think that it's evolved a bit. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> so what what's going on man you look you look really well because i wasn't sure because obviously your um i guess your, your your media manager matt contacted me he's a good a good man it was like oh luke's making his comeback and i don't know about you but through the through the pandemic you get lost in the mists of time and what's going on and what's not because i wasn't even sure you'd stepped away had you stepped away had it just been the the boxing had been on that kind of semi-hiatus what, what was happening no it's um so there was no fights. There was there was offers coming through, but they were just ridiculous offers, you know, real short notice mm. um, against some very good opponents. And I thought, nah, I'm not really uh, trying to throw myself under the bus here, you know. I thought, I, I, you want the best chance to win in a fight. You know, we all want the best chance. So some things are a bit stupid. So I said, no, kept training throughout lockdown. Um, it's obviously never with the same intensity, but you know you keep ticking mm. over, ticking over, getting yourself fit. Um, I'm not going to lie to you; I indulge with beers, <laughs> in bad food. Like, I think like everyone else, but then uh, 
then the world started opening back up. So it was like, right, now you need to get yourself back in shape and get yourself fight ready. Um, yeah. Change teams throughout the um, lockdown as well. Change management, change trainer. Um, and now 2021, going into 2022, it's like, okay, it's a new dawn, you know, things are all new. Brilliant. Yeah, well, it's interesting that ticking over thing because I don't think people understand that as an elite athlete. What you do is obviously great to get you in tip-top shape in a fight camp, but it's not exactly healthy, is it? Because you're on the you're on the edge and you can't keep that level of fitness without breaking down. No, no, it's impossible. It's like running the car on the red line of, of, of the revs, not the petrol. Talking yeah. about the rev line here, you know, it's it's very unhealthy, very unhealthy. And so, who's who's the new trainer? Who's the new manager? Who are you who are you going into the new dorm with? So I'm now currently working with Tony Ball down in Wales, um, Lee Selby's coach, uh, Gavin Gwynn, mm. and Jordan Whitaker. There's some, some good lads down there. And managerial, I'm now working with Chris Saniger, who's based in Bristol. Okay, so Chris is in Bristol. But you're, you're still in Swindon, are you? So how's that? how does that work with the training in, in Wales? Um, just a lot of driving. A lot of driving <laughs> and a lot of podcast listening. Yeah. Well, you can listen to this one back <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> I don't, know about that. I don't know about listening to my own voice on a podcast. It's a bit, uh, no, uh, bit narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I had to go through that. I'm probably used to it now. I'm probably a complete narcissist. But going through journalism school, when you first listen to yourself or see yourself on camera, it's always uh, a tough, a tough moment because you never sound quite like you think you do because what you sound like in your head, you never sound like, you know, through speakers or whatever. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. It's quite quite a surreal moment, but you'd have been used to that with with all the interviews you've you've done and everything. So well, I suppose with the driving, you just have to make sure you, you what limbering off when you get to the gym and things like that. There's a, a physical aspect to that. Yeah, just get make sure you do the things properly. Do do, do the things you need to do professionally. Warm up, take care of yourself. You know, do your job, cool down, warm down, and do these things properly, and, and away you go. Has it felt like a big step to you? Do you feel you got? Clarity, you said that it was obviously a go slow for, for a lot of people during the pandemic. Do you feel that you've come back with renewed focus and energy to, to boxing? Um, I wouldn't, I never really lost my focus. Um, the only thing is, is momentum, you know, I, I, the momentum I had has died. Um, mm. You know, there's, it's, it's not that I'm not starting from scratch, but the momentum of where I was and what was going on with my career at the time, that's kind of fallen to the wayside a bit. So I just feel like right now it's about picking up momentum and, and move myself into the position to be in, to, to be in some good fights again. Yeah, we talk about momentum. I mean, you turned pro, what, 25, and then you went through to Commonwealth champion, what, inside three years, something like that. So it was a, a meteoric rise, wasn't it? Is that Because that, that sort of thing is it's intangible, it's elusive, isn't it, that momentum feeling? But it must have felt up into that fight with, with Lawrence O'Coley that it was just upwards. And it, did you kind of feel like you didn't have to do too much? You're just rolling with it? Yeah, just riding the wave, literally just riding the wave. I kind of, that's my kind of attitude towards life, you know, just ride the wave. Um, and if you need to put more effort in, you need to dig in and put more effort in and, and you need to make things happen, you've got to make things happen. Um, but yeah, the, the, this wave stopped, now it's wave two, now we're just, we're going again. It's, it's difficult, wasn't it? Because I don't know what your background was and when you started boxing, we can talk about that. But with Lawrence Okoli, he's gone on to become a world champion, obviously an Olympian, and he's got ridiculous physical advantages at the weight. I don't know how he makes the weight, but he's a, he's a big, big guy. Do you feel that 
you're almost a victim of boxing's lack of incremental steps. It feels like sometimes, you know, in sports, you have the football pyramid, don't you? You've got five divisions and you kind of have time to adjust. Whereas in boxing, it's like you're moseying along nicely and suddenly you come up against a guy who's potential world class after you've been domestic class. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, credit to Lawrence. You know, he's, he's, he's gone on to, to become a world champion. He's done excellent. And I think it wasn't that he wasn't world-class when I fought him. He just hadn't proved himself at that level yet. But yeah. behind closed doors and sparring, you know, he was doing that. He was doing that often. Um, but yeah, you're right. The uh, the steps in boxing are that there. You're here. You know, <laughs> you're, you're not British level. Now you're British level. You know, and then then you're European level. It's like whoa, okay. Then you're world level. There's just big jumps between. Um, but. <laughs> This is what you do. You've got to take these risks to get there. What, what's your ambition now then? What, how do you look at it? Well, I'm, me personally, I'm in the top 10 in um, Britain. Yeah. I think I'm currently sitting at number six. So Chris has got all the bouts at the moment um, below world level. He's in European, British and Commonwealth. Chris um, Billum, yeah. Chris Billum Smith, yeah. I personally don't think, and I could be wrong because I'm not Chris and I'm not his team and I don't know what they're doing, but to hold on to those three is quite a lot. You know, it's almost being a world champion and you're going to be dictated to a lot by mandatories and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, the boxing world's just opening right back up right now. I'm ready to jump straight in the mix. Um, I'm ready to happy to be on one, one side of one of these titles, preferably the British. No, actually, let's forget that. I'm fighting for the British. <laughs> I'm fighting for the British. I'm going to win that. Maybe defend it. Then I'm going to move on and then just keep moving my way through the ranks just as I was pre, pre-pandemic. Yeah. How do you reflect on the... Um, I was there at the Copper Box and you fought Isaac Chamberlain, actually, and that was a um, really tight fight, wasn't it? I think the referee gave it one point to, to Isaac, who I'm not sure what he's up to. Would a rematch there interest you at all? Because I think his, he's been beset by injuries, hasn't he, the last couple of years? I know he's... I think he fought again in September, but... He's, a, he's had a, he's a sort of hiatus at times. Yeah, I'd fight him again. Yeah, definitely. I am um, truth in my heart. And uh, I feel I, I felt that I beat him. Yeah. Like, in the day, regardless, I was the guy pressing the fight the whole entire time. I think he come on strong for about 30 seconds in the in the 10th round. But it is what it is. Do you know what I mean? It is what it is. I can't go back and change the result. You, you, you got knocked down in the tenth. Is it that? Is that was the decision? I didn't get knocked down. I no. Took me. Yeah, yeah, I took a knee. Yeah. There was no, there was no Isaac yeah. punching me to the ground. Like, that did not happen. Um, I took a knee from sheer exhaustion, like, just yeah. straight up exhausted, and uh, to my detriment, it played in his favour, and he won the fight by one point. Does it feel like a good opportunity in the, in the cruiserweight division now that Alexander Usyk's left it? Obviously, Coley's got that world title and we've got Saul Canelo Alvarez, who's looking to come, what, four or five <laughs> weight champion, in, 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 like, which is incredible at cruiserweight. Most of you guys are like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and, you know, fight night over 15 stone, but he's looking to, to mix it. But he's, he's going up against one of the smaller guys, Alinga Makabu, isn't he, in, in theory? The, the man that lost to, to Tony Bellew at that night at Goodison Park. Got, got Bellew on the canvas, to be fair, before that. Is it, did you, do you sense that the timing's right? There's a pathway in, the, in this division right now? The timing's good? Um, I don't know about if there's a pathway or, or whatever. You can only deal with what's presented to you. You know, the landscape is the landscape. And don't get me wrong, it's forever changing, but... It is what it is. So we've just got to deal with what's in front of us. If you, it's like people say, oh, you know, Fury versus Mike Tyson, 
Mike Tyson or Joshua versus Tyson or Joshua versus Ali. Forget, for me, I, I hate those comparisons. Yeah. yeah. You, you can only deal with what's in front of you. You know, I'm a realist, realistic, right? The landscape in front of me is this. Okay, how do I work with this? Mm. Yeah, because so, people talk about goal setting, don't they? So they want you to be aim for that world title. But is that kind of modified, as you say, by a sort of sense of realism that actually in boxing, it's never that simple because it's not like you win X fight and you'll get X opportunity. It's all about deals that are made and, and timing. That is boxing. Boxing is timing, the right fights, the right time. And that's it. You know, that is it. Sometimes you can take these fights too early. Sometimes you can take them too late. Sometimes you get them at the perfect time. How do you reflect on that? Do you wish it was more like other sports? I suppose that the UFC model, Bellator model in MMA, they kind of have a governing body who sets fixtures, essentially. I know it's different. People get injured, so you have to remake fights. But whereas in boxing, there's so many different negotiations to go into making every fight. It always seems like a big effort. There's different promoters, different broadcasters. Do you ever feel that you wish there was sort of like one governing body dictating it all and it was a bit more structured? Yeah, I do, if I'm being honest. I think it would be better for the sport. Um, people would be in regular fights more. Yeah. There would be, as you said, there would be more structure. I don't know about, yeah, I don't know how it would work then because of world titles and things yeah. like that. Many of them have become recognized now. You know, some of them are like, this is a legitimate title or this isn't. So I don't know how it would work in, in terms of that. But I do think some form of structure which would give all the fighters regular fights because this is what we do it for. We mm. want to be regular, be active, um, earn your money, and say thank you to the sport. Yeah, it's brutal, isn't it? Because you do have to spend a lot on training, and then it's you know you get those paydays, so you need to fight. What what would be the ideal for you? Would it be three three fights a year? Is that is that perfect? Three, four, four, four. Yeah, yeah. I'd fight four times a year personally. Yeah, um, you know, a little bit of holiday here, a little bit of holiday there. Um, I love training. I love sport. I love being fit. I love all that. But the only, <laughs> it's not a bad, a, a downside, but I do love bad food, chocolate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You got a sweet tooth with some chocolate. My wife's like that. I tell you what, there's people, and I like chocolate, don't get me wrong, but there are people who it's like a proper vice, isn't it? It's addictive. Like it sort of like kills you in the middle of the night to sort of go to the fridge and stuff. Yeah, I've had, I've had that. I'm not, I'm not there no more. Um, but I have been that guy that's just woke up and I'm like, oh, I'll have some chocolate. I'll have some chocolate. I'm a bit probably more not, sensible. Probably not the worst addiction, is it? I think, you know, dark chocolate's quite good for you, they say, as well. Yeah, it's, that's nice. But, you know, after, after 20 to 40 grams of that, it's bitter. It's like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I think that's partly why it's good. It puts you off a little bit. You can't, you can't have too much high, high cocoa content chocolate um so when you look back at your career what was the story how did you get into boxing because it was what 25 when you you made your pro debut what was the backstory how did you how did you fall into the sport down in swindon um i was 19 working in a bar i, I started there when i was 18 actually um working in the bar i was i was overweight i'd always played like sport my whole entire life and then i finished college mm. decided i was going to take a gap year started working full time as you do, 18, drinking, partying, and uh, some fella goes to me, and I was saying, I need to lose a bit of weight, and he goes, oh, you've got a good game, boxing would be all right for that, and I said, all right, cool, I'll give it a go. Really? Um, yeah, the sport resonated with me for about two weeks. I called a friend, and I was like, 
can we can like unbox and review and i was i went to uh, there's a, a amateur coach here called harry mm. um he was jamie cox's old coach and i went to that gym and i said hey can i come here and train and he was like no sorry we're too busy come back in a couple of weeks and i was like oh, a couple of weeks <laughs> and then i heard there was another coach and that was paddy and paddy uh, Fitzpatrick, so, yeah Fitzpatrick, yeah and then i just said to another friend who went to that gym, yo, can I come with you to the gym tomorrow? And he was like, yeah. Um, went to the gym, just started. And I used to say to Paddy and, and the coaches there at the time, Paddy, Paul and Daz, when am I going to lose this fat? When am I going to lose this fat? And they just were like, just keep training, like, keep training. And uh, that was it. And the journey just progressed and progressed. So when was the conversation about this is a possible career, not just the recreation to lose weight? What was that? There was a night. There was a night. Um, it was when David Hay fought Nikola Galliev. Yes, two thousand and nine. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I want some of that. You know, <laughs> I want some. Quite of a that. giant. <laughs> yeah. It, it was the atmosphere that I saw. You know, it was electric. It was. It was. It was incredible. And for me, I thought, I want that. And yeah. then I said, I said to Paddy at the time. I'm going to be a professional and he was like yeah all right all right kid. you know and we'd had a couple of guinnesses watching the flight there was a quite a couple of them watching it and uh and then i just kept pressing it pressing it pressing it and then it got to a stage and paddy was like i think the time's ready for you to go pro now and i was like uh, 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 i don't know well, i'm going to do this as an amateur this is an amateur and he was yeah. like how, how was it did you compete as an amateur to to a level what was your amateur record yeah, it was okay. I, I think they had 14 or 15 fights, one, 10. Um, mm. And then I had no stoppages in the amateurs. Uh, never, never. Got to the novice finals. Um, and I got stopped in the novices finals by a massive wardrobe of a man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> competing at super heavyweight. He was just an absolute unit. You, you were at super heavy, were you? Yeah, I was at wow. super heavy. Yeah, big, big I was boy. a small super heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because you're what six six one so i mean that's a big you're a big man but it's kind of uh, yeah compared to those yeah. guys these, these guys are bigger men you know <laughs> they're, they're big men um yeah and after that i was training with pros i was doing a lot of sparring with pros and paddy was like no you're ready now you know you're ready let's go uh, is there something you did that he likes that he wanted you because that's it's a 2009 value earth fight end of 2009 wasn't it hey value so it, it took you nearly five years from that point to become professional was there anything that you convinced paddy in in training or otherwise in the, in the amateur fights he thought right now you're now you're ready maybe just my commitment um being around him a lot he saw who i was what i was about um, maybe i have no idea i've never asked him the question if i'm being completely honest with you what did boxing give you when you took up at 19? You said that it was a time when you'd, you'd taken a gap year. And I worked in a bar in my gap year as well, but it's, I don't know, you, you get into sort of uh, a few vices and, and after you played a lot of sport, it can be a difficult time. Did it did it give you discipline, people say, or was it something deeper? What was oh, it? Absolutely. absolutely. I had um, I had like a, from about, I don't know, 14, 15 to about 17, 18. I had a, a couple of rocky years where you were hanging around with the wrong crowd. Mm. Um, trying to impress certain people who you don't really need to impress and when I entered boxing it just took me away from that environment um, I was in the gym all the time, all I wanted to do was go to the gym, train, <laughs> I would go to my session 
that would then finish. Then I'd stay in the gym at the back of the class, copying the next session. And then, uh, you know, I, I was doing that for ages. And then they was like, oh, you might as well just join them with the next class. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, what, it, what did oh, your family say at this time when you get into boxing? Because it's not always the, the desired goal for, for people's children, is it? They, wor they worry about the consequences of getting hit in the head. Yeah, my dad was pretty, his dad's pretty chill about most things. Uh, my mum, I remember my first like fight was in the gym against some guy from Guernsey and uh, he was massive as well. <laughs> and um, she's like, oh, 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 I'm thinking, mum, shut up. I'm about to fight. I don't need this right now. Like, <laughs> I've got my own shit here to deal with. You know what I mean, I've got my own stuff. No, no. Shut up. Um, but nah, they're cool with it. They like it. They support what I'm about. Um, did your mum watch? I know James DeGale's mum waits at home for the phone call or did when he was when he was still fighting. Yeah, mum and dad both come, you know, the family come, they all come and support what I do. And uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that. I appreciate that. It's nice to have your family around you in those yeah. moments. What what do you think you'd have done if you on that gap year? What were you thinking about doing before boxing became a, a career? Earning player? money. <laughs> Earning <laughs> money. No, I'm a student, a poor student. Um, and then it was just I had normal money, adult money for a while. And it was like, oh, this is amazing. What was you? What, what did you? What did you um, study at college before you gap year? So it was two things I was thinking about doing a degree in. One was strength and conditioning, and the other one was photography. Wow, different. Yeah, completely different. Um, I think I think the photography was more of a, an idea that I, I liked the idea and I didn't understand the reality of it. And mm. I was just a wedding photographer. Um, <laughs> so not, but, a sport, not a sports photographer? You didn't want to be a sports uh, photographer? No. Nah, nah. Um, wedding photographer. I, I used to think happy place, good times, you know, everyone's cool. Good money. Money photography. Good money. You, they, you know. Yeah, yeah. But the real the reality is not everyone's getting married um every day. <laughs> sunny every day for weddings and stuff, you know? Yeah, weekend work as well, isn't it? That's the thing. And they end up working every weekend. Exactly that. Exactly that. Um so then I just decided to not do either. And then I, I found the uh, boxing and I was just stayed with it. How much self-belief has it given you, the sport? Do you think it's, it's given you something deep inside? Um, respect for yourself, maybe? I don't know whether, you know, I'm not saying you didn't respect yourself before, but it's interesting, a lot of fighters I speak to, if they had a, you know, any self-esteem issues, it, it's kind of maybe countered that. Uh, no, I wouldn't. It, no, I wouldn't say it's given me that. It's definitely talking about challenging fears and anything mm. courage and it, yeah it would have, it's all that but for me books gave me information a lot of books given me a lot of information that you know some some books have given me i call them golden nuggets little golden nuggets of information that have, have been great for me and other books have just been a book what would be the best nugget of information you think you'd had what would be the, the best advice <laughs> I have no idea. Look after number one. That's the coming thing with boxing is that you can get, you know, you can get used by other people, can't you? Not necessarily get your your just just rewards. I would say just be true to who you are. That's that is like I think being true to who you are, you will find what's for you, what's for you. 
you'll find the right people for you. You'll find who is not for you. You know, you just be and be brutally honest with yourself, and uh, it makes life a lot easier. <laughs> you fit well. You feel very relaxed. What was your childhood like? Because it's funny because I get the impression you seem very happy and and, and comfortable with, with with your background. Whereas a lot of boxers you speak to, and you'll know this, have had adversity and, and trauma and you know been homeless or whatever or, or in gangs and things like that but it doesn't seem that you've had that background is that atypical from your experience in, in boxing you're almost doing it because you you enjoy it um i suppose everyone has their own level of adversity you know? um, yeah. but I'm a bit, i've experienced some of those things that you said i just i don't really go into it my parents were good do you know what I mean? And I was most of the toe rag that was trying to get final stuff. Um, but, you know, life goes on. You can't sit in there. It, it, it comes down to a choice, a choice that you've got to make in what you want. Yeah. You've got to go after that. So. How do you how do you sort of equate the talent versus profile debate in boxing? Because people will say you can be the most talented boxer in the world, but you need that profile. You, you're a good-looking guy. You've got a personality. How but you're quite laid back. How important is it for you, do you think, to, to get out there and, and make a bit of a noise? Because there seems that pressure sometimes. But you said about how important it is to be yourself as well. How do you reconcile those two? Yeah, that's most probably the one thing in boxing I, I think to myself, I could be a bit better at, at, at doing those things, but then I wouldn't be being myself. You know, if, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But that's a whole job in itself. And people get people get so worked up in that space, mm. and it becomes they almost find a bit of self worth in it. And this isn't everyone; I'm not saying everyone, but some people find self worth in that area. Uh, and Tra trash talking and things like that. But not necessarily the trash talking. I'm just talking about their profiles. Oh, okay, you know? social media sort of sort of pictures. Yeah, yeah. That, that you know. They've got an image to present and a you know, reputation to have. Um, I just personally, for me, I feel pretty peaceful. I'm pretty chill, and I'm happy. Like, and I, I say to people, I'm happy just to fight. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I do this for the love of it. You know, I, I love what I do. I love the life that it gives me. Um, you think, yeah, a lot of times the, the most bitter build-ups to fights are followed by quite a sort of um, lackluster contest, aren't they, occasionally, because it feels like there's an energy that, that is used up in the, in the build-up that actually sometimes is better served when you get in there and, and go to combat. Yeah, some people, they have to work themselves up for the fight. Like, I, I tell people, boxing's honest. Like, I get in that ring, you get in that ring. Let's, let's have a fight. May the best man win. There's no... It's coming out of the shadows from behind you or a corner to, to surprise you. It is what it is. I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and smash the face in. You're going to try and smash the face in. Let's go. I'm trying to remember back to your Coley build-up or the Isaac Chamberlain build-up. Did anyone try and get under your skin? Did they say anything offensive to you or anyone else that you've come up against that, that wound you up? Or you, you're so chilled. It doesn't they can't wind me up. Yeah. They can't wind me up. I think... Um, uh, I think Lawrence didn't really say much. He was pretty chill, pretty respectful. Isaac tried to be a little bit like, 
you know, and he's going to knock me out or something in the in the press conference. To, and uh, it made me laugh because I just said, oh, no, brother, look at your record. Look at mine. I'm the one who knocks people, not you. Mm, yeah. And for me, that's what it is. I take the facts, you know, just the facts. <laughs> Well, you're all, that's you're all yeah, that's the thing. You're all good guys as a media. It's funny because you, you realise that when people trash talk each other often, it's two good people speaking about each other. And you think, you know, come on, let's, can't we all get along and, and settle it in the ring? But check what, what's we said about Isaac Chamberlain a bit, and I, I've seen him, and I don't think he's really necessarily disproven this, but is the, is the fickleness of the weight things. And I know Joe Gallagher is talking a lot about light heavyweight to cruiserweight being a massive gap. Do you feel that? You've been quite fortunate in that, in the fickle way things fall in boxing, that, that perhaps your frame and, and things fits into that 200-pound, 14-stone-4 setup. Because it, it, you can fall in the middle easily, can't you, between those two weights, light, heavy and cruiser? Me, personally, I couldn't fall in the no, middle. but I've some people could. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think there is a huge gap. I think there is a huge gap. But then I also don't often come across a lot of cruiserweights that are in the lower end of the, of the category. Most um, mm. people are boiling down. Boiling down to 175 for light heavy, aren't they? Which is, you see them struggle a little bit. And people talk, I wonder whether Jose Burton recently, we saw him um, stopped. And I just wondered whether that was partly to do with the fact he's 6'4 and trying to make 12 and a half stone. Yeah, he's a big lad. I, um, yeah, he's a big lad. <laughs> yeah, as far as it up it. Uh, Gallagher's gym once, and uh, yeah, I don't know how he's making it. But it's a good fit. It's a good fit for you, is it? You feel like this is, you know, you're not a frustrated heavyweight. You're a, you're not a sort of amped up light heavy. This is cruiserweight's fallen well for you. Yeah, it's uh, that. That's me. You know, I make my weight. I do it healthy. I do it well. Um, my frame doesn't give me the. When you look at the people like. Or when you look at people like Gillian Moore, you look at their frame, they're thick guys, you know. They really hold their weight well. If I try to have the same weight as those dudes, I will look like a piece of podge. I would <laughs> Yeah. Do you expect do you expect Lawrence Cody to go up? Do you think how would he get on? Because he'd lose that that sort of I know he's got he's still got a long reach at heavyweight, but he'd lose some of those advantages. Yeah, I would expect him to go up. There's a hell of a lot more money on heavyweight fighting than there is at Cruiserweight. Um, and that's not to say there isn't money to be made at Cruiserweight because there's got money to be made in boxing, but you know, heavyweight, heavyweight world title championships, that is like that you talk about that the way you talk about a hundred meter dash. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the Kremlin big creme. That's yeah. So what about me, British heavy? Something like that. Would you try that? Would you go for that if it, the opportunity presented itself? If it made sense, you know, mm. if, it, if it makes sense, and you know, I, like I said earlier, I'm a realistic. I'll weigh up the risks, and I'll and what's the what's being presented to me, what's being offered to me. Then, if it makes sense, I take it. But if it doesn't, then I'm I'm content. And the heavyweight conundrum as well is is kind of complicated by the opponent, right? Because if you're fighting a guy who's you know similar height to you, a little bit taller, and, and, and maybe just a bigger frame, like you say, it's it's different thing than fighting someone like Tyson Fury, six feet nine inches tall, and it's very hard for you to get close to someone like that with those long arms. Yeah, he's massive. He's massive. I sparred him back in the day, and uh, he just toyed with me. <laughs> really? Was that just was that skill? Do you think is that sort of the the hours in the gym? That's when you see the difference sometimes. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, experience. You know how to deal and, and nullify a smaller man. Um, you know, he just he worked with me. And it, again, it was an excellent time to to be around him and and, and enjoy it. It was, it was a long time ago, mine, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> What did you make of um, Usyk going up from cruiser to, to heavy and beating Joshua? How impressive was that? Yeah, it was amazing. I think um, the world can really appreciate. I think the boxing world can really appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. Um, again, he's not one of these people that he doesn't have a his ability doesn't match his profile in the world. Mm. So no. people didn't outside of the boxing people were not really aware of who he was or, or what he could do before that fight. No, no. Um, unless you know who he is and what he's about, it's like, oh, who's that guy? Someone come up from Cruiserweight, who's that? It's, mm. yeah, but, nah, who's it's a bad mess. Is that the acid test when you can beat a, a person who's bigger than you? You know, they always say a good big and beats a good little, and don't they? But if the little and kind of, and uh, by the way, this is in the context of him being six feet three inches tall and a, a big man by his own reckoning by normal standards, but you're going up against Joshua, who is six six and has been around 18 stone most of his, his career. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think it just pours your education. Mm. You can't, you can't buy it school. You cannot buy it. Um, and Usyk has bags, bags and bags full of experience. You mentioned you played sport before you had that gap year. What sport were you brought up on? What was the big thing? You're you Swindon Town football fan at all down there? No. Um, right. uh, I do back my hometown. Of course I do. Um, but I've, n- I've never really followed Swindon Town as such. I was a up playing football. Yes. I was an athlete who participated in athletics and I played ice hockey for... Oh, cool. How long did I play that for? I reckon I played that on for about 10 years. So that, that did that get you used to conflict and combat? Because ice hockey is pretty rough, isn't it? Yeah, I used to fight in hockey. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to, aren't you? Is yeah. that, what, what's the download on? I don't really know the detail of that, but... It's, it's changed a lot now. It's um, Back in the day, it was gloves off and you could go for it. Um, but now it's changed. You know, they don't really like it so much. Um, mm. I, think, I even think sometimes people have given beatings out and the police have been called after now. It's It really has changed, yeah. Because it used to be as long as you were both standing on the ice and no one was down that you were allowed to, to fight. Is that right? I think there was a... That's correct. In the NHL in the States seeing that. That's correct. Um, yeah. Hockey's a good sport. <laughs> if I, um, yeah. If I was... I wish I could have been as good as I am in boxing as that hockey. Did that... Did that help the balance and stuff though? I'm just thinking about that, the, the, the traits you could take over. Obviously, there is that, you know, that willingness to, to have um, combat, but also I'm just thinking about, you know, people who can skate well. That is a maybe a balance boost. Um, I don't know. I, I have no idea. I suppose there's always going to be some form of ability and skill that are transferable, but to what extent? I don't know. Um, mm. It's interesting because boxing you start at 19, it's one of the few sports that you can excel at starting late, isn't it? But I wonder whether there's ingredients that, that other sports that we you we do can can bring into that mix. I believe so. I do believe so. Um, I wasn't a man off of, off of the couch doing nothing that decided he wanted to box. I was a man that had played sports from the age of five up until I started to started boxing as an amateur to then go professional. 
Yeah, that's one of the things, and um, I know we spoke for a good time, so I'll let you go in a second. But one of the things that reason I started this podcast was trying to get the lessons from sport, why obsess it, why we cover it as a as a journalist, and and why people you know adulate sports people for a long time. What the the things we can take away from it as a participant of boxing. You mentioned the courage thing. What is it like for someone when you get that knock on the dressing room door for the first time, be it amateur or, or professional, and you have to go to that ring? Is that a proper gut check? How developmental is that for you? Yeah. Your psychology yeah. and your and your sense of confidence. Um, yeah, it definitely checks you. And uh, I, I remind everyone, you know, I because I've got younger people below me who are turning over, younger people who have first amateur fights, and I remind them all that when you get those feelings. It's normal. Mm. Don't worry. You're going to get them. You can't hide from them. <laughs> just just know they're there. You're alive. And you're going to go do what you're going to do. But they're normal. So just deal with them. <laughs> and do you think that post-boxing, whenever you do hang up the gloves, you can take that courage into to other walks of life and always put it into context? I've got friends who've been in the army and they say a similar thing. I think that actually after you've been in, in sort of mortal peril, things aren't quite as serious in the, the real world. Yeah, yeah. I um, obviously not been. I've never been in the army, but I, I could understand that. And I think the challenges and the mental aspects will will, will cross over into life, you know? mm. especially with things like determination, my willingness, you know, my drive, and the will to, to not want to give in. But yeah, I think that great qualities will cross over into, into the into the real world and the normal world, and not the boxing world. Dealing with fear is big, isn't it? Because that's part, like you say, of fuel. You say that's normal, whereas I think the rest of the world, part of the thing that I've witnessed with, with the pandemic, and it's ongoing, of course, with new variants that keep getting mentioned, etc., is that a lot of people in, in mainstream society, uh, that's a novel thing for them to deal with fear in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a great acronym for fear, and it's, it's, it's false evidence appearing real. <laughs> if people don't let their imagination run wild and you strip back and, and look at the facts, you know, and, and rationalize the facts. I think a lot of people could handle fear a lot better than mm. just let away with, away with them. And being in the moment, isn't it? Boxing teaches you that. You can't be your mind can't be wandering about fear when you're in there. You have to be centered on what's in front of you. Yeah, that's that's um that is the beauty of boxing. You can only be present when you're fighting because if you're not, it's just being over. Yeah, is that nice? It's a nice feeling, isn't it? I think that's when I I miss from playing regular sport is people talk about meditation, but I think it's a lot easier to be honed in on the minute where you, when you're playing sport on that moment. What is meditation? Meditation is just being present, in my opinion. Mm. Um, that's what I feel. Meditation is it's not it's not shutting your eyes or however you'd like to meditate and, and thinking about other things it's about actually not thinking about other things and reminding yourself to be here and be present you can meditate if you're washing the dishes yeah you know, if you're present and you're feeling plates and you're feeling the water skin or, or however you possibly dishes. <laughs> that is a form of meditation yeah do it better than you did it last time as well that's interesting isn't it the habitual things we do is trying to improve on them and you can only do that if you are present like say and you know usually your wife calls you up on it in my case about washing up so <laughs> i've got hey, do you need to come do these dishes again yeah exactly yeah or she just does them which is even more depressing probably she's like giving up on me but i have to yeah you have to um you have to improve on that on that for sure and i mean it's good to keep present as you say because there's so many permutations to think about in boxing how do you 
see things un unwinding for you in the in the next few months are you hoping to fight again in swindon is that where you're, you're basing the sort of the next phase um yeah if the, it's, it's just about if, so obviously i've got my plans my plan is to get momentum get the ball rolling and move myself into positions for big fights big fights that's my that's my goal my aim and that's what i'm doing right now um I enjoy very much fighting at home. The home crowd, they're, um, they're electric. They're really, really loud electric ones. But I love to, to, to showcase what I do. They come out in Swindon, don't they, as well? Mark Nielsen had him on the podcast. He's a promoter locally as well. It's, 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 a big, it's quite a big fan base of boxing, Swindon. Yeah, Mark, for me, Mark is an excellent promoter here. He's, um, he's not just based in him. Like, he put a show on this weekend, but Brad North, you know, Mark is... Mark is building his brand as a promoter over here, and I think he's doing an excellent job of that. Um, and I'll, I've been fortunate enough to work with Mark. I fought on the show here in Sweden recently, and I hope to fight on his shows again. Mm, interesting guy, isn't he? Because he's got a really successful business that's bringing in good money on the side, but he's committed to, I suppose it reflects his ambition in all parts of his life, but he wants to build up to be a, a comparable promoter to the, to the big guns like Matchroom, match etc. Yeah, yeah, I agree with what you just said there. Yeah. Oh, good man. Do you visualise? Just quickly before we go, do you visualise all that stuff before fights? Do you go into that? You mentioned meditation. Um, do I visualise? I suppose you could say yes, but I do it through shadow boxing. You know, I'm thinking about the fight and I'm thinking about what my opponent's going to do. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. And I suppose I'm I'm doing that with my shadow boxing. You know, I'm thinking right hand coming, I'm going to move right and mm. do X, Y, Z. Um, so, yeah, I do do visualization of myself boxing. So, yeah. Good man. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you, Luke. Um, give us a steer because people may want to follow your story as, as what comes next in, I'm guessing, 2022, the, the, the next outing. Is it what's the best one for you? Are you active on, on social media? Yeah, you can find me on social media. Um, it's just the Duke Watkins. I think my Twitter handle and my Instagram handle are the same. Um, Facebook page, but it's it's most probably exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's good though. It's a good nickname, the Duke. Is that just is there any just that it rhymes with Luke? Where did that? Obviously, a historic boxing kind of moniker. That's Paddy. That's Paddy. Um, yeah, I don't I, I don't even know it just. Because originally he tried to call me the Duke Luke Watkins. Yeah. Um, but people just kept calling me Luke the Duke Watkins. <laughs> so it just kind of was there. It's and a good alias, yeah. It's a good alias, the Duke. Duke McKenzie, uh, people like that you think of, yeah. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Good man. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Luke. Best of luck with it. Have a great, have a great Christmas. All the best, my friend. What did you think of that? I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Uh, Luke the Duke Watkins, Duke McKenzie, three-weight world champion, of course, boxer of uh, the 80s and 90s. Uh, I think he's the uncle of Leon McKenzie, the, the sort of boxer towards the end of his career, but footballer as well. Rich family, the McKenzie family, uh, in terms of talent. And um, great to get Luke Watkins' take on, on things, boxing, what it gave him in his life, that sense of courage. And interesting, that ice hockey background, pretty rare in the UK to have that, but I know Swindon has an arena, has a team. So it's, uh, yeah, I went ice skating the other day, not that I'm going to get into ice hockey, but I've been to watch National Hockey League games in the United States for America and boy, it is pretty brutal, or was at least. This is going back 15 years. But it'd stand and trade blows on the ice as long as it was quote-unquote fair. No one was down. So it's um, 
yeah, it's interesting at that background in terms of not maybe feeling daunted by combat and contact. So, uh, yeah, interesting insight from him about what the sport's given him, what his ambitions are. Very laid back guy and not keen to tub thump necessarily and, and sensationalize and do dramatic rivalries and wind up opponents, which is, you know, I think I admire that. I think it's an interesting one in boxing, isn't it? Because it's about talent, it's about winning those fights, but it is, unless you're making spectacular knockouts of big opponents. It is sometimes whipping up that personality or getting your personality across, however it is. And it's difficult for every person in a sense now because as much as we can publish everything on the internet and it's different than when I was young, there's so many, so much divided attention to get that following, to get that interest in you is, is challenging. But I wish Luke the best of luck in 2022. Going again, hope to see him in British and Commonwealth title fights once again. An interesting division cruiserweight because of Usyk moving up. Um, I heard Johnny Nelson, former cruiserweight world champion, been on the podcast a number of times here with us saying that he feels it is an, an open weight division. Perhaps that's why Saul Canelo Alvarez is looking to, to go up in weight. So he's won light, middle, middle, super middle, light heavy. So he's looking to be a fifth weight world champion at cruiser. Incredible stuff. Um, well, I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you did. So Ed Draper 81 on social media, Twitter, Ed underscore Draper 81, I believe on uh, or ed draper underscore media on instagram and uh, it'd be great to get your thoughts review it on itunes if you can love that and also yeah pass it on to a friend if you enjoy it, it's always appreciated thank you to you for listening thank you to the sponsors bang olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations if you're looking to stay healthy for the holiday season christmas coming up and optimize your immunity generally, you probably just want to optimize it anyway, don't you? Um, then if you would like to try Cytoplan's food-based supplements, their association with the podcast is ongoing. And if you head to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, the discount code at checkout, which I believe is 30% off your first purchase, 10% thereafter is Draper10R, my last name. D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero and the capital letter R. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Have a great week.